1: Hello podcast listeners and this special podcast brought to you by the home office and intelligence squared director of border and immigration policy at the home office Philippa Rouse, head of immigration policy at the federation for small business Amelia quist and partner at fragman law firm ian robinson discuss the uk's new points based immigration system and what it will mean for business and individuals. Hosted by broadcaster Linda Yu, the panel delves into the key changes and dates businesses need to look out for and the guidance that's on offer to steer them through the process. And if you'd like more information after listening to the podcast, please go to gov.uk slash hiring from the EU. That's gov.uk slash hiring from the EU.
2: Welcome to this Intelligence Squared podcast, sponsored by the UK Home Office on the new immigration system. I'm Linda Yu, economist and broadcaster, and it's my pleasure to host this discussion about the changes to the immigration system, which comes into effect on January the 1st. We'll cover what's changing and how it affects businesses. To do this, I'm joined by a brilliant panel, Emilia Quist, Senior Policy Advisor at the Federation of Small Businesses, Ian Robinson, partner at Fragelman, an immigration law firm, and Philippa Rouse, Director of Future Border and Immigration System Directorate at the Home Office. Welcome to you all. I'm going to start with you, Philippa. If you could just outline for us this new immigration system the government is introducing in January and how it transforms the immigration system. Thank you,
1: Lula. Some big changes coming up for the UK immigration system. From the 1st of January, free movement with the European Union will end, and the UK will introduce a points-based immigration system. And the big change that goes alongside that is that EU citizens will be brought under the same immigration system controls as the rest of the world. Why that's such a big change? At the moment, under the current free movement rules, the EU nationals are able to, to move to the UK uh, to look for any type of work at any type of wage level. Under the new points by system, anyone coming to the UK from anywhere around the world to work must apply for a visa, meet a specific set of requirements for which they'll score some points. In most cases, uh, people coming to the UK will need a job offer from an employer who's already been sponsored by the Home Office as part of this points-based system, and then visas will be awarded to those who gain enough points. So this will be quite a big change for employers who recruit EU nationals from outside the UK who will need to adapt to this change. But this will also be new for employers who recruit non-EU nationals from around the world because they should find the new system more flexible and simpler than the current system we have for non-EU migrants. Probably One of the key messages to get across that if an employer Uh, or business does want to recruit someone from outside the UK's resident labour market, they'll need to register as a licensed sponsor with the Home Office. I should just say, you know, this is the first part of a a really big transformation of our border and immigration system. Uh, The priority this year is to end free movement uh, for EU nationals and to bring in the new points based system. But uh, this is just the first step. And we really we are intending to streamline and digitise the border and immigration system, giving the uh, UK much greater control over borders, but at the same time with a real aim to make it much simpler and easier for individuals and back businesses to, to navigate our immigration system.
2: What is the reasoning for the government opting for a skills-based immigration system and what are their global comparators?
1: So why a skills-based immigration system? So one of the one of the challenges with free movement, uh, as with the Euro- European Union, is that uh, to a large extent, the decision to, to migrate to move to the UK is up to the, up to the migrant themselves rather than the UK. And so one of the, the challenges that brings is that with free movement, uh, there's no guarantee that migration to the UK is in the interests of UK residents. So the switch to points based system is really about making sure that we've got simple and flexible arrangements for skilled workers from around the world to come to the UK, but to do specific jobs. So this is all about really putting uh, it into the hands of the employers in terms of who they want to bring to the UK to fulfil particular jobs and is very much focused on really trying to provide routes to the UK for the kind of skills and talents that we need as a country to really complement our current workforce and uh, really to move away from this big difference between the immigration systems between EU and non-EU nationals and to ensure that we have a system where it's, in effect, neutral to where people from around the world are
0: coming from.
2: So just uh, on global comparators, this is similar to what other countries have?
0: Yeah, so actually, the the new immigration system, it's never going to be as simple for employers as free movement. It can't be, but that's, um, that's what happens when, when free movement comes to an end. But when we look at it, the UK's skilled immigration system will genuinely be one of the best in the world. It will be more certain than the US or the Canadian system, and to some extent more certain than the Australian system. It will be quicker than most. Only Singapore will routinely issue visas as quickly as, as we could based on government processing and the, the admin that goes beforehand. And overall, overall, we have a, a good story to tell on how the system will work. There's a lot that employers need to be ready for that will come to uh, for it to work well, but we, we have a positive story to tell here.
2: Before we get to more about how it affects businesses, um, Philippa, can you also just tell us Who is affected and who is not affected?
1: That's a really important point to to clarify. So thank you. So we're very much talking about designing a new system for people to move to the UK from the 1st of January 2021 and onwards. EU citizens currently resident in the UK are protected under the the withdrawal agreement uh, that we agreed with the EU, so they can continue to live and work in the UK as they do now. We have put into effect a scheme called the EU Settlement Scheme, which allows EU nationals to apply to us to confirm their status. And we've had over 4 million applications into that uh, scheme already. People will have until the end of June 2021 to apply to confirm that status and so absolutely EU, EU residents already resident here we've you know been really clear from the day of the referendum vote that we're really keen that they stay that they continue to um, contribute to the UK you know the, in the terrific way that they have done already. Irish citizens are, are dealt with separately our arrangements with Ireland predate the EU and so, uh, Irish nationals will, will not need to apply into the new system. Their rights to be protected in in UK law, and in effect, they'll be able to come and live and work in the UK as a, as a British citizen would. And then there are some other other uh, groups that won't be affected. So anyone of any nationality who has been living in the UK long enough to get settled status get settlement in the UK again they won't be affected by these these new rules they will have kind of full access to uh, the labor market as they do now
2: thank you very much Ian how will things be different for employers from the way they currently recruit staff from abroad
0: so if you if you're an employer that regularly recruits from outside of Europe, right now you're going to find a system that is a little bit more expensive than it has been but is much quicker and and more straightforward than what we have at the moment and that and that's really good however if you if you typically recruit from europe whereas right now free movement means you can make a job offer on a friday and start work on monday there are going to be extra steps you need to be You need to be thinking about whether or not the person will qualify for the job that they're doing for a work permit. You need to be thinking about are they paid enough, how you will split government fees with them uh, and work out how that is paid. And also, also just ensuring that you understand your responsibilities after the fact with compliance. So it will be it will be more complicated than free movement and and employees need to be ready for that, really.
2: Amelia, how will... This new system significantly impact recruitment plans?
3: As Ian has outlined, that the system will add um, a considerable amount of time and additional work for small business employers. So it, it, they will need to factor that in in terms of their recruitment plans and how long it will take to onboard someone and bring them in to, to ensure that they're meeting all of the necessary criteria and checks that the Home Office has in place. Um, so that will be quite a change for many small businesses um, but I think you know FSB is wanting to work as a Home Office and, and we're wanting to provide as many services and assistance to small businesses to make that process as easy as possible.
2: I think it'd be very useful if we could just highlight uh, some of these changes. What is the salary and skills threshold for recruiting talent from abroad?
1: So there are, I think, five criteria for recruiting talent from abroad. So, firstly, they have to have a job offer. Secondly, they need to meet our criminality thresholds, so not be a not be a criminal. Thirdly, they need to speak English to a, a standard, so an intermediate level. The, the final two are around skills and salary. So they need to be doing a job that's at so-called RQF3 level. So that's at A level or above. Now it's the, the job that is at that level rather than the person's qualifications. But, but the, the job level needs to be um, at at least A level. And we publish lists of all the different job types types and, and what qualification levels they're at. And then the, for salary, there are, there are two, two basic salary So a kind of minimum of £25,600 or the going rate for the job. So a role, engineering role, for example, I mean, the the going rate in the UK is is approximately £35,000. And so someone coming in to do an engineering role will need to be earning that level of wage. Within the salary thresholds, there is a little bit of flexibility. So uh, people are able to come in and earn less than the going rate or the £25,600 level, if three things: if they are working in a, a role that is deemed to be in shortage, and we we'll publish lists of roles in shortage; if they have a PhD that is relevant to the job that they are doing; or thirdly, if they're a new entrant to the jobs market. So, in particular, to reflect the fact that people earlier in their careers tend to earn less than the, than the going rate. So, that is the that is the new points based system in a in a nutshell.
2: Thank you. And also, in a nutshell, are all businesses eligible to become sponsors? Pretty much,
1: provided you haven't broken our immigration rules previously and uh, you are a a genuine business and you're not a criminal, then um, broadly, yes.
2: Thank you. So, Ian, I want to come to you and just talk us through what what this new system means in terms of recruiting globally. Um, Are there benefits here? Are there challenges?
0: Yes. So actually, if you if you're an employer in India, uh, in the US, in Canada, somewhere outside of the EU, and sending stuff to the UK, actually you're you're going to find that it's it's more straightforward than we have at the moment. Right now, if I was advising a client on landing a worker who will stay permanently, I'd probably say it would take three to four months. Ultimately, it could be as quick as a month under the new system far, 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 far faster. It will also be possible under the new system to move between work visa categories, which hasn't been hasn't been possible in the past. And that will give extra flexibility. So all of a sudden, a, a one year assignment that you might have been able to extend to five years, but then the person had to go home. You'll be able to turn it into a permanent move if the, if the person loves it in the UK and you want to stay here permanently for regular users of the non-european system it will seem it will seem an awful lot slicker than what we have right now
2: thank you ian i think understandably businesses have had to focus a great deal on this pandemic, COVID-19, um, this year. And you've already outlined uh, why it is, it's important to focus on this new immigration um, system. I think just briefly, if you could just add, how will it significantly impact recruitment plans? And so just kind of talk us through the planning side of it. Then I want to bring in Amelia as well on this question as to why it's important. To just carve out some time to focus on this immigration um, system, but Ian first.
0: Yeah, so uh, and actually, it's 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 largely about recruitment. It's also about retention. So on the on the recruitment side, whereas now, if I needed to recruit somebody in in February to come and work in my team and they were European, as, as it stands, the moment that we make the job offer, notice periods allowing, they, they can start work. So long as they present a European passport when they start on the current law, that that would be enough and they would have the permission to work for us and, and I'm sure they do really well. From the beginning of next year, that individual will also need to hold permission to take that job, so long as they aren't from the UK or Ireland, in, in which case they're exempt. But getting that permission will mean a fair amount of legal assessment, making sure people are doing the right sort of job, paid enough money and so on. They will need to make an application, generally speaking, by visiting a visa centre, making an application online. You as an employer and your employee need to think about fees. And there are several fees that can add up associated to UK immigration. And then once they are in the UK, it's about sponsorship and the deal with the Home Office on sponsorship is, we will make it easy relative to some European countries in particular for you to employ migrant workers once they're here. But in return, we need you to make sure that you're tracking where they live, where they work, and that you can report to us if you have any concerns or, or if we do. And on the retention side, it really is about making sure that your employees, where they are European and here before the end of the year, Understand that they ought to apply under the settlement scheme, and it, it's, it's not none of this is rocket science. For retention, begin by reassuring them that they can stay. Go on to educate them as to the process, really straightforward process. They don't need a lawyer. And then be directive. Be As you get closer to the end of June 2021 deadline, be more directive about why it's important to apply.
2: So, Amelia, same question to you. Um, businesses have a lot on their plate. <laughs> so just kind of talk us through why it's so important for employers, especially, I think, small employers who just have a lot happening to focus on this uh, immigration system in terms of recruitment, in terms of retention. So over to you.
3: Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so it is very challenging times right now for small businesses, for small business employers. They're grappling with a number of challenges in relation to COVID. But one thing is, is clear that we know from our research that we've done at the Federation of Small Businesses is that around 26% of our members employ at least one person who's an EU citizen. So you know, they have EU workers within their workforce. It's definitely a component um, and so they want to we want to ensure that they know what to do in terms of ensuring that those workers have EU settled status or pre-settled status and also if they're considering expanding their workforce in the future from the EU they know what steps to take. So it's a a real challenge I think for all of us at the moment in trying to ensure businesses are aware of all of the steps to take following the 1st of January and also dealing with the challenges around the Covid pandemic. But we're doing all we can at the FSB in terms of working with the Home Office and sending out various messages and the very guides and pieces of guidance and things like today, the the podcast, trying to inform businesses of what's around the corner. Thank you. Could you also just talk
2: us through what businesses can expect over, say, the coming five years
3: as a result of these changes? So I think for for most small businesses, as Ian has highlighted, that the current immigration system can be quite complex. And for most small businesses, they don't recruit from outside of the eu so they're very much used to the freedom of movement and the simplification that it it provides in terms of recruitment so the changes coming in are going to be quite substantial for small businesses who themselves they tend not to have an hr person within their business. So grappling and understanding of all the the forthcoming rules will be down to the business owner themselves. And maybe unlike the settlement scheme, we know that the immigration rules can be quite complex and difficult to grasp. So for a small business, that's going to be a big challenge. So having simple and easy to understand pieces of guidance from the Home Office will be essential. Most of the small businesses that we know Don't currently have a sponsor license. So again, getting to grips with the compliance approach is key. As Ian mentioned, there are quite severe sanctions if, if businesses get things wrong. And I think that's one thing that for, from a small business, they often are quite concerned if they, if they do things incorrectly because they don't have the necessary support and guidance. So trying to ensure the compliance approach that it it works for them in the future, I think is key over the next few months and years. And also, um, as we've mentioned, COVID, the labour market is at the moment is changing quite substantially. So small businesses will want to know that the Home Office is is recognising the changes within the labour market and maybe responding um, and adapting the the future immigration system to meet those necessary changes. Thank you very much. Philippa, what has
2: the Home Office done to minimise the burdens on businesses, including SMEs and the self-employed? because I suppose a big concern is whether SMEs might be put off by the fees and the registration time.
1: We've done a lot of engagement with lots of employers and and SMEs to try to kind of understand where some of the issues and challenges might be. As Amelia's already set out, um, one of the concerns of um, uh, small businesses in particular is the complexity of the Immigration system and the the immigration rules, the legal framework that sets all of that out. So first step is we're doing a lot of work to significantly simplify the immigration rules. It might be quite a technical thing, but actually rewriting them in plain English in ways that are structured nice and simply so you can actually pick up the rules and, and read them and follow them. And also by simplifying, just taking out lots of the kind of unnecessary elements. That is a really big step. And we are, we are doing that for all the, all the new points-based system routes that we roll out this year. The second point is to take out some of the complexity from the sponsor license process so a couple of the burdens that we are taking out of the system which i've already been touched on is removing the resident labor market test so The requirement that businesses need to advertise the role first in the UK uh, lots of research around it and it just pointed out it just suggested that that it wasn't working as intended as a as a mechanism to prompt employers to look to the labour market for resident labour market first Uh, we've taken out caps so that had two potential impacts so Firstly, by kind of capping the volumes of people that could come in through a particular uh, immigration route, it kind of creates a, a degree of uncertainty, but also uh, it was slowing down the process because our current process for non-EU is that every month we have we have to have a panel to see how many applications we've had to make sure the cap isn't breached um, and then a system of prioritising within that cap. So it's now, some of the new system that will be in place later on this year, it t- will take out a, a good eight weeks in terms of the time it takes to recruit a um, a migrant from overseas and then as I've already touched on longer term I think there's a lot more that we can do we, we can and will do to simplify the sponsorship process even further
2: great emilia your reaction to that and in terms of worries that small businesses might have over the system
3: it's definitely good to hear that the Home Office intends to simplify the system to help businesses, especially SMEs. That's definitely a good positive step. And we fin- we know from our research that the criteria that's in place in terms of the, the new skill level and the lower salary threshold will definitely be a benefit to many small businesses. However, once a business has identified in terms of the skill level and the salary threshold, the the biggest Obstacle is actually the cost of the visa system. So from the research that we've done, we know nearly half of um, 44 48% sorry small businesses won't be able to afford the current fees, which are likely which will be in place from 1st of January. So that's a major obstacle in that if a business actually meets a salary threshold, meets a skill level, has identified an applicant who fits all of that criteria and they want to hire them, if they have a skill shortage within their business, the cost of the current immigration system actually stops them doing so so we'd like to see maybe over time those costs reduce to make it more accessible for smaller businesses, especially those who have smaller margins. And it's quite difficult to meet those quite significant costs. Uh, we do
1: understand the potential barrier that immigration fees could create for employers, but the charges are there to play a vital role in the Home Office's ability to run a sustainable immigration system um, and, of course, to minimise the burden on the taxpayer. Uh, It is actually intended to be more expensive to hire migrants from overseas in order to protect the resident labour market, which we do think is particularly important at the moment, um, not least because of the um, increasing unemployment being created by the response to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We do believe it's right that the immigration system is as funded as much as possible by the user, Um, but we do, in some instances, try to uh, uh, reflect um, some differences in our fees. So, for example, the fee to become a sponsor is £536 for small businesses, um, and £1,476 for medium-sized businesses, and we think this is fair. Um, the fees broadly in line with our um, the levels set uh, by our competitors and are really there to ensure the integrity of the system is maintained, but, of course, uh, we will always keep things like
2: these under review. think it's actually really hugely important, Philippa, that we look at, at this question of sponsorship. So what does it mean to be a home office registered sponsor? What does it allow employers to do? And how do businesses know whether or not they need to become a home office licensed sponsor?
1: Oh, very good questions. So I um, I think as Ian's already highlighted, I mean, the concept of sponsorship is quite simple. An employer needs to check they're eligible to become a sponsor. And in particular, there are some rules around criminal convictions and also any previous immigration offenses. A sponsor will need to choose what, the employer will need to choose what type of license they want to apply for. So it depends on whether uh, they want to bring in general skilled workers or workers through the intra companys transfer route. They'll need to, an employer will need to decide who, um, will manage sponsorship within the business. So it goes to Amelia's point about, you know, some, some small small and medium enterprises, you know, will clearly have to do this work for themselves. And then I think it's already touched on that we kind of then a set of criteria that they'll need to follow through in order to uh, manage, manage the migrant they've, they've recruited. The, the kind of basic concept behind sponsorship is that the businesses that are benefiting from bringing that migrant to the U.K., should you know have some kind of responsibility towards ensuring that uh, the migrant themselves are kind of coming in to do what they they uh, said they were going to do but once a sponsor once an employer has become a sponsor they then are able to bring in migrants provided they fulfill the criteria that ins already set out around you know, basic skills level basic salary levels and need to speak intermediate english then uh, they'll be able to bring in as kind of many or as few migrants through that route as they need to to fulfil jobs in their business.
2: Thank you. Ian, can I pose this question to you? If a business is already a sponsor because you as a firm recruit talent from other parts of the world, do you need to apply again? Or is this about extending the current sponsorship scheme to include those coming from Europe?
0: No, if you already hold a sponsor license, you you don't need to reapply. Do keep an eye on the expiry of your license. Many are expiring right now as that happens, but you don't need to reapply. It's only really if you haven't held a sponsor license in the past. You might want to look at if if all of a sudden you will be transferring people from your European offices. You might want to add to the sponsor license. No need to, to apply fresh if you already hold one.
2: Amelia, do you get a sense that um, in this new system there is actually a desire to recruit talent in the national labor market first before looking abroad to recruit?
3: Yes, definitely. I think you already in the existing system so we know that 72% of our members if they have recruited someone, they've already re- they've recruited them within the resident labor market. So very few smaller businesses are actually actively going outside of the UK to seek workers. If they are doing that, it's, it tends to be more within the higher skilled roles. So maybe there is a specific skill shortage that they've identified in the UK resident labour market and they haven't been able to source that talent there and I think very much within small businesses they look to the domestic labour market we know from the recruitment patterns of smaller businesses they look to their communities to to fill gaps within their businesses and also they they, they try to invest in maybe and training and also looking at apprenticeships as a means to fill skills gaps. But where there is a gap and where they do seek to identify talent outside of the UK, we don't want to see kind of two greater barriers in stopping smaller businesses from doing that.
2: Ian, I want to come to you in terms of advice or guidance for businesses that currently rely on EU migrant labour what should these businesses do to prepare for the new immigration system? And indeed, what advice would you give them to minimise any disruption to their business?
0: Yeah, so there are there a are few parts to this. the The first part has got to be workforce planning and workforce assessment what parts of your business have a high number a high proportion of european workers and what are those people doing if you have a high proportion in a particular job that is skilled from there you're you're ensuring that it's sufficiently skilled to qualify for a work permit and then budget planning budget planning is really really hard this year because who knows what the labor market and the working world will look like next year but it's possible to make make certain assumptions. For jobs that are skilled, you also need to be looking at salary, making sure that you will meet the minimum salary for the visa. We've said that's about 25,600 pounds, but also the going rate for the job. And this is published on the .gov website. For lower skilled jobs, where are you Where are you finding uh, the European people who are taking those low skilled jobs because if they are, tend to already be in the u k they should have settled status and it should be fine for the short term at least. If you are recruiting from overseas, then the simple fact of it is that you will not be able to run your business like that anymore. There will be no low skilled visa route from overseas. But then look at what more you can do to attract local workers. Think about whether or not you can automate. And of course, everyone is. It's part of the world that we're all working out how we can automate better. Um, But do you need to accelerate those plans? And also, is is the UK the best place to do that particular work if you are reliant on uh, low skilled workers you can't access because of this system? Look elsewhere as well that tend they they tend to be the conversations we are we are having with clients at the moment.
2: Thank you. I think as we as we wrap up Philippa, what should businesses do to find out more information and make sure they're up to date about changes to the immigration system?
1: Employers can do uh, a number of things to find out more about the new system. Uh, in particular, we've got a lot of materials on our website. So employers should go to gov.uk forward slash hiring from the EU. That has all the information on how to become a sponsor, on how to go about recruiting migrants from overseas and what to expect from the changes. And we're also running a number of media campaigns at the moment to get you know just get the information out with a particular focus on SMEs, given that, as we've already touched on, a kind of real target audience for helping them understand what's changing.
2: Amelia, your advice on um, how businesses, um, what they should be uh, doing to find out more? Well,
3: for... Small businesses especially, we have a transition hub on our website that's accessible to, to all small businesses. So if they want specific imi- information on how the immigration system may impact them, they can go there. For FSB members also, we're providing services to help them adjust to the new system, especially once it comes in place. And we're also, we've been having, holding webinars with st- key stakeholders to provide key information and answer any questions that small businesses have about the new system. Thank you all. So before I let you all go, briefly,
2: what is the one message you would like listeners uh, to take away from um, today's discussion? Ian, I'll start with you.
0: As busy as, as we all are, this is important. If you, if you don't have a sponsor license, think seriously about whether or not, not you need it and look at your workforce and begin to think about what the new system will mean and whether or not you need to change the way that you staff up.
3: Thank you. Amelia? I think if you have EU workers within your business already, ensure that they've applied for EU settled status or pre-settled status. Ensure that you understand the criteria and how it may work for you. And if you are considering taking on a sponsor licence, start that process now. And if you have any questions, reach out to organisations such as the FSB and look at the government guidance that's available. Thank you. And final word to you, Philippa.
1: Well, I think Ian and Amelia have have covered it. So encourage employers to take the time to understand uh, the changes that are coming up. As I already said, there's lots of hopefully lots of good materials on gov.uk and elsewhere to help with that. And uh, also, you know, do do encourage your um, current EU employers to apply into the EU Settlement Scheme at the
2: earliest opportunity. Thank you. Thank you all. Philippa Rouse, Ian Robinson and Amelia Quest really interesting discussion. And I would also encourage um, all of you who are listening and have tuned in to please visit the web link in the podcast description for more information. To find out more, go to gov.uk forward slash hiring from the EU. Thanks very much again to the panelists. Thank you to the Home Office for sponsoring this episode. And thank you all for tuning in to listen to this Intelligence Squared podcast. I'm Linda Yu.